Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, I miss the rains down in Africa. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by the Sultan of Swing, Simon the Sheik of Shabbiness, Maddox. What's all this... Uh, this Middle Eastern charm all about. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I never thought I'd be able to get it to sing on the intro. And I'm delighted it's worked so easily. Uh, yeah, there is, there is a theme establishing itself. And I guess it's only going to make sense to people who live in the Southwest uh, or in the South. Because the skies, look at them. They glow. They glow yellow. Is it the end of days? <laughs> It felt a little bit as it slowly creeped because it started this morning. It was sunny and, mm-hmm. and fine, and then slowly as the day progressed, uh, it got the sky just got yellower and yellower, and it began to look. I was like checking the news. I was like, "Is there something? <laughs> if, if something happened, like didn't know what had happened or why." And then it, obviously it sort of came through that there was this sort of Saharan sandstorm. I said to my wife, "I was like." Uh, Apparently, uh, apparently it's a sandstorm. My wife's like, yes. Have you not seen the car? <laughs> so, like, yes, I have seen the car, dear. It is rather sandy. So, yeah, that's, that's weather chat yeah. done. <laughs> Sahara sandstorm. Well, it was, it, it was, I mean, it was just bizarre. And it's just always bizarre mm. when that happens. It's, several times in the, over the last decade, we've had one of these sort of Saharan sandstorms. And it is just, it just realized how interconnected yeah. everything is you know well, i'm definitely thankful because when we lived in the pacific northwest uh every summer we'd have forest fires to deal with and at least with the sandstorm you could breathe outside and you could go outside with it still being safe mm-hmm. um but yeah the the big car fire the year we left like you couldn't leave the house it was also nearly 40 degrees outside um so yeah. <laughs> it was just lockdown ac can't breathe the air to stay home. <laughs> the, the thing with the, the the sandstorm was though, I went out once it had finished raining, but like there was proper bits of grit mm-hmm. all over the place. There was proper bits of sand and grit everywhere. And I was like, well, I'm glad I was indoors because I don't want to get hit by low flying pebbles. Basically, I mean, but at the same time, have you seen the price of sand on the world market today? Like, it was an opportunity you could have you could have saved yourself in this cost of living crisis. You didn't take the opportunity to gather yourself a few euros worth of sand. Are you telling me you were out in the street with a sieve just going... Garden's full of them. I'm making, I'm making money. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did Simon become so yeah. rich? Sandstorms, man. He's got sand a big storms. garden covered in sand. <laughs> oh, he knows how to invest. <laughs> so not only do I have a load of really, really valuable sand in my garden, spring is coming. The flowers are, are slightly peek their heads out we've got some daffodils and tulips and crocuses and blue i've got bluebells at home mate it's amazing this is when simon gets into his into his uh, wordsworth moment <laughs> and starts like waxing lyrical oh the daffodils it was daffodils, i wandered lonely it? as a cloud <laughs> yeah. the garden's starting to like wake up from its winter sleep and I, i'm very excited about it because when we moved into this place in may last year at that point of course all the leaves were on the trees and all the bushes and we could only really see like a small part of our neighbors like we were just kind of hemmed in by this by this garden and for the last three months i've just seen my my neighbor's concrete building and it's it's, it's just i'm i'm pissed off by it all so i'm looking forward to not seeing them anymore but one of the things that my wife has been very keen on getting uh, is a hawk bed, uh, a raised planting bed. And she drew very elaborate diagrams of what she wanted. Like she read books, 
and like drew these diagrams and plans the right dimensions of the wood and then she called a local lumber producer in the region that on their website seemed like they'd do that sort of thing and she was shot down within 30 seconds i could just hear her phone call like tailing off and uh, they were like but try these people they'll probably be able mm. to help you so she called them 30 seconds later it became clear they also were not able to to do the cut lumber she wanted but they were happy to sell her their prefabricated ones for about 250 euros a piece mm. um so yeah that dream died quite sharpishly at that point because it was going to cost us a lot of money um and then i was like oh let's have a look online see what we can do and then i went to orbi.de and of course, of course. orbi is one of the holy grails of, of home improvement and garden work. And they had a, a very good deal on. Uh, so we now have two Hochbid in our garden. Um, and they are currently being filled with all sorts of layers of things that I don't know the name of in German or English. Two and a half weeks, we'll be able to start putting things in them. And then at some point, I'm going to be giving everyone I know legumes and vegetables because <laughs> it's going to be way too much for me to cook. I'm going to pickle everything. Would you like a carrot in this trying time? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you sent us a photo of, of your darling wife standing proudly next to her to Hockbeat. Hockbeaten? Is that the plural? Hockbeaten. Yeah. Yeah. And the first question I asked you was, where'd you get them? We need, we need some. Cause we've, <laughs> we've been, we've been planning to do exactly the same thing. So I've been out in the garden starting work because it's finally the ground stopped being frozen. So I could actually do that over the last couple of weeks and it's been really quiet. And then about the first sort of weekend of decent weather and everyone in the entire it's like my entire neighborhood woke up mm -hmm. people flying kites and kids riding bicycles <laughs> and people sort of walking and congregating and chatting and and it was it was really lively and for the last sort of three months it's been totally dead so that was nice but it's also yeah like you said when spring arrives got to get to work basically so i built a nice paving slab path mm -hmm. over the weekend so and it's just ongoing uh, but like i said last week i promise not to go on and on about my gardening work so what i will tell you though is we don't have an obi near us what we have something is something just i think you'd only get in germany it which is like a regional variant okay. so your obi and and hornbacher your national mm -hmm. chains uh, and maybe another one or two. We've got one that's just called Globus. Ooh. It's Globus. It sounds very international, but it isn't. It's not at all. It's very. <laughs> I think. I think there's probably one or two in the local area, but Globus Baumarkt, and it's. <laughs> it's it's great. I just love going there. I love like looking around. My my brother pointed this out to me, and I hadn't really realised until he'd said it how just well stocked bar markets are. So it's always nice to go around and check them out. We've talked a bit about those in the past. I think the thing that I really like about it is the weird little cafeteria it has. That's like a little mm -hmm. cafe that serves like the most desiccated schnitzel you'll ever eat. <laughs> it's drier than that expensive sand in your garden. It's just, it's just one of those funny things that you find where there's like, there's no, I mean, why would there be this giant local bar market? But there is, you know, there's no real need for it. It could be a hornback or it could be a, an obi, but it's not. The branding for it makes it look a bit like it's, uh, um, it's something more exciting than it is. It looks like some kind of American, sort of fun mm -hmm. palace it's not it just sells spades really nice spades <laughs> there are more than i thought there would be looking at google maps there's one my nearest one's in forchheim which is not that close 
uh, or I could trek to Ingolstadt. Uh, we could meet in the, we could meet at the one in Ingolstadt. <laughs> yeah, we go to their cafe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just meet in the cafe. Oh, it's such a good day trip. <laughs> Do they also sell glass ornaments for the garden? That seems to be a very key thing <laughs> for the German home improvement market strange artistic glass ornaments that's the way it did recording on a tuesday again because of your suggestion on sunday to throw off the shackles of the podcast (laughs) and celebrate having some decent weather but it did mean that i went on a slightly strange excursion on sunday morning Uh sort of the first time we'd really had a chance to go for a walk around the local area because we've been in varying types of lockdown mm. since we moved and so we just went out and it's funny the um that where we live is it's quite it's it's quite like an american town in that it's built along an old highway one straight line the street essentially is the, with all the shops on it, it's one straight line back in augsburg mm-hmm. it's called the shops down it but it has these two like churches that look like they were built by quaker immigrants in in the sort of new england okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like really odd looking churches they're very lovely very nice looking but i just had a moment on sunday where i was like i feel like i've spent my entire life either being forced to visit churches by my parents or waiting for my wife to come out of it, a church that she's having a look at like a pure nose around i've seen so many churches in my life that that have absolutely no interest to me they'll be like oh there's another crucifix the thing that i did miss I'm really good about was my apparently my, my wife went in with my daughter and uh, obviously there's a there's a crucifix and my wife went do you know who that is and she was like she was like no no like, that's Jesus but obviously in German it's Jesus okay Kanye Jesus yeah yeah not Jesus <laughs> Jesus uh, and and so my daughter came out saying. Um, ich habe Jesu gesehen. Ich habe Jesu gesehen. And so that was quite entertaining from from my daughter. And I was like, "Where's Where's Jesu?" In the church. <laughs> so yeah, it's really sweet. But yeah, just it was a very strange thing. And then we had ice cream at twelve huh? o'clock. Because that, that's that's living. That is. See, it was all kind of we are bunking off on Sunday. Ice cream for lunch. <laughs> my daughter was sitting there going, "Like what? What's going on? Like this is a trap." <laughs> I like put a pl- plate of ice cream in front of me. She's like, "Is are you gonna? Is this is this some horrible news that's coming?" <laughs> <laughs> Just scrammed that. So yeah, it was quite nice. What did you do with your Sunday then? Playing hooky from the podcast? Yeah, I, I didn't go to any churches, um, and most of my local churches aren't reminiscent of, of quaker new england unfortunately they're much more sort of concrete brick monoliths no just spent time with the wife in the garden and didn't use any power tools and then when the opportunity presented itself i smashed the shit out of elden ring on, on my xbox i'm not one for sort of fantasy rpg computer games but the reviews of the game coming up uh, coming out before it was released was simply the best I'd ever seen for a game. So that piqued my interest. And then I'm in a WhatsApp group with a few of the lads back home and they were all beside themselves with excitement. I was like, okay, maybe I do this. And then I saw the first few like trailers and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a go. And yeah, I've put in about 10 hours now and it is one of the best games I've ever played. Sell, sell it to me because I am I am unconvinced, as we said before the start of the podcast, I'm unconvinced, so sell me this this game. I'm going to speak to you in a language that you understand. I'm not sure how many... Finally, it's... Simon's going to speak Geordie. Yeah. <laughs> Why, I pet this... It's canny like... All right, I'm going to go buy it. That's an excellent argument. <laughs> Why, I know there is one game that you and I both love, and that's Witcher 3. Yeah. Witcher 3 is undoubtedly one of the best games ever it's definitely top 10 of my games of all time easy. it's easy yeah 
I've played through it three times and I will play again. It's just a fantastic game. It has pretty much all the good things that Witcher has, but it's got better graphics, better play, I think, and the scale of the game and the open world is really, it's the next level. It is the next generation style. And I mean, I dread to think how many hours have been put into programming this thing because it is is so rich uh, in terms of design. When, especially in terms like the the architecture of the landscape of the buildings is unlike anything I've ever seen before in a game, and then that the the people you you fight against, like the the design of the of the beasts and the monsters and the goblins and the giants, it's just it's staggering. It's really, really, really visually pleasing. It's massively hard, and I, I say I don't normally like these games i've never played any of the dark soul games so i'm not a sadist who likes seeing you died over and over again but this game has it's managed to to get me into that i died a lot a lot today my wife came and checked on me a few times because i was just in the living room shouting for fuck's sake as this boss smashed my face in for the 25th time in an hour but i beat him in the end you big bastard and the the (laughs) adrenaline rush I got was is the biggest adrenaline rush I've had in the game in a long time. I, I would highly recommend it to anyone who likes gaming out there, regardless if you enjoy fantasy RPGs. If you do enjoy fantasy RPGs, then you you need to be on this game already. It's it's a masterpiece. You should absolutely try it, Nick. Uh, I think I might be tempted, but is it, uh, it needs to have a high quota of zombies in it for it to even pass the uh, the the Nick out and seal of approval. There are zombie skeletons that come Ooh. back to the dead after you've killed them. Spicy. And then you have to kill them again. Uh, it's, it's certainly it's more challenging than shooting them with like a a Thompson submachine gun, like some World War Two thing that's never actually happened. Well, I mean, anything that's going to give me good nightmares, I suppose that's something to look forward to. <laughs> I dreamt about it last night, so yeah. <laughs> I was riding my horse. <laughs> it was great. Shout out to Torrent. <laughs> oh, he's got a horse. <laughs> So, dear listeners, those of you who follow us on Twitter uh, will have seen that we opened our door to you and said, come on in, ask us a question. And yeah, a few people did. And we're really, really happy to get that kind of opportunity to interact with listeners. Because, I mean, obviously, I get to look at Nick's lovely face whilst we're recording. And we get to tell each other how much fun we have. But hearing back from, from real people who listen is is massively awesome. It, it really does feel really good. And to get questions where... Maybe there's a gap or something we've haven't really spoken about, or people want to know about us as your hosts, or about the show, or about the the nature of being, or whatever. Um, no, we're up for giving it a crack. You're not going to ask me the meaning of life again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we already did episode forty-two. I guess that was the opportunity to do that. So, <laughs> but I did pick out three questions that uh, that came up. Let's, let's deal with those three. It's not just an empty gesture of asking. We're going to answer some of these questions. Uh, so the first one that I picked was actually from a guest, a former guest of the show, Dilly, who's joined us twice, three times? Three times. I think she was there for the 50th episode as the, well. The only person that's been a triple guest. So mm-hmm. big shout out to Dilly. And she asked, how did we meet? I feel like we've answered this question like loads, but maybe we haven't. I don't know. See, we've got different stories don't we about how we met yeah because my my memory of first the first time i met you was during a six nations game but apparently we'd met beforehand 
I guess we must like I remember I remember having a conversation with someone during a football match which then turned out to be you. <laughs> I didn't re- connect the two until you 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 said it a few a, a few years back. We met where every every good Englishman will meet in a pub. <laughs> There's no discrepancy between the location. It was the King's Arms. Same location on both occasions, yeah. <laughs> King's Arms in Jakobsplatz Nuremberg. Yeah. I, I guess for for the for the heyday of our in-person beer drinking bromance. That was that was ground zero. Um, it's where we got drunk the most by quite a long distance. I, th- I think calling it a dive bar is probably too much of a promotion for it. But it, at that point, it was very much it was the diviest of the dive bars. Well, I mean, it's changed hands now, and it's it's a very different pub. Well, it's not a very different pub; it's a different pub. I mean, yeah, when we met there, it was it was run by Betty and had a, a crew of sort of quite reprobate bar staff and quite rude people worked there on saturday nights and like would shout just Achtung, Achtung, coming through it, man. it was fucking great that yeah bar. It, it was it was a good place and it was it was a real a gathering spot especially on friday nights mm-hmm. everyone that we knew was out on friday nights and it was heavy drinking until the wee hours of the morning good times good times and then we'd be there saturday to watch the football it was one of those places where if you had an afternoon free and you just walked in there would be at least four or five people that you knew that you could chat to, mm-hmm. and uh, there's nowhere. I mean, I think that's that's just part of part of the way the life develops, isn't it? But I don't know where that I know now that I'd be able to walk in without arranging anything and meet up with like five yeah. people that I know. So yeah, th- this is the ebb of time. Damn it! Yeah, you were already married when we met. No, 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 no. no you weren't. You were no. engaged. I was engaged. No, I wasn't even engaged. Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. I lived in Alt- yeah, yeah. Altdorf by Nuremberg at that point, <laughs> um, which was literally the middle of nowhere. Which meant that every time we met up and got stinking drunk, we'd end up. I'd end up having to run to get the last train, which was like eleven o'clock or something, and then I'd fall asleep on a train and wake up in the middle of nowhere. The amount of times. I'd end up just walking through some forest with Google Maps on my phone, hoping, <laughs> praying to God that I, my phone doesn't die and, and I don't fall into a hole. But and then I moved to I moved to Fit, which I thought was closer. Turned out just had exactly the same problem. <laughs> just like I had to get an U-Bahn back. Then there was the last U-Bahn was at eleven thirty or something. It's just like tragedy, but. Yeah, but at least Stadgrenza isn't a forest in yeah. the middle of Franconia. You can't walk back. Slightly easier to navigate. I remember the first night I walked back. I don't know why, it's because I got drunk, but um, I walked back from, <laughs> from the pub to, and I was like, oh, well, it's not that far. And it took me two and a half hours to walk back to <laughs> to fit. And my feet were killing me and oh, it was horrendous. The whole thing was a, a bad idea from start to end. But yeah, we met in that, in that dodgy little bar. In the middle of Nuremberg. Good, good times. Indeed. Next question. Yes, that's how we met. And the next one comes from Simon. And he asked simply, why did we start the podcast? Why did we start the podcast, Simon? (laughs) Remind me. (laughs) I mean, here we are, episode 66. And it's kind of hard to answer. I mean, I guess, first of all, this wasn't what we planned. This wasn't what we talked about doing at the start. (laughs) No, this is definitely (laughs) not. This is very much just come about organically. Yeah, my my brain is is addled with years of abuse and now COVID brain. Um, so you might have to correct me here, but as far as I remember it, we'd, we'd floated the idea a few times in the past about just recording stuff together. And then I remember watching protests in London based around the Churchill statue, and there were a load of yeah white nationalists, white supremacists mm-hmm. waving 
Union Jack screaming at the police and everyone else. And I felt so shocked and ashamed and shook by this that I just knew I wanted to talk about it. And then I think I pitched the idea of doing a show called, I think it was called The Right Side of History, where we were going to talk about misconceptions primarily in British history. Mm-hmm. I think that was the idea, yeah. And then we realised very quickly that was going to involve a huge amount of research for every single episode. Well, we did our first record because we did St. George's, our first episode. We did. Which yeah. were never released. We've got in, 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 in somewhere. There is a hidden episode, yeah. There is wow. a hidden episode, yeah. And it was, we were recording it and it was like an hour and a half and I tried to edit it and it was just impossible. Because we didn't have any, we didn't have any understanding of like segmentation or, it was just one long conversation. And I think it was an admirable idea, but it just the amount of work to get mm-hmm. it right. Because if the whole point of it was that we're going to give like the actual history, yeah, it was really difficult. Whereas I don't know, I don't know how we ended up. I'm not sure if it was a conversation that you and I had, or my brother Greg, who was a big influence at the beginning of the podcast on on how we did things. He designed the logo and he gave us the the first iteration of our theme music, which yeah. We'll have a conversation about that one day. <laughs> fucking hate that music, but um, yeah. Well, do you um, want to pitch this now? This is a great opportunity to to pitch to listeners. Well, I've got I've got an idea of what we're going to do. Really, what what we want to do is is have some blast music with something over the top. I think. Yeah. So if you're in, a, if you are a listener and you have a connection with a blast music band, contact us like <laughs> that now. Like, stop listening to the podcast. Write me an email. Send me a tweet. <laughs> Um, I, this is very important, uh, and I will I will speak to you and we'll discuss this this idea. But anyway, so he, I think he maybe have put us on the idea of talking about Germany. I, I can't quite remember. That does sound familiar to me now. You say, it, yeah. But eventually, we're sort of yeah, we started out, and I, I still haven't listened to episode one, so I don't really know. I don't think I've listened to it since we released it. I two had, years at a moment the other day. I um. I drove to an, a local town near me to go to the the nearest Asia shop because I was hankering for noodles and stuff. So I had to go and buy supplies. And when I got back in the car, my phone uh, stopped playing my music automatically. And when I pushed the button on my Bluetooth receiver, it started playing episode one of Decades from Home. Really? And wow, okay. it, I, I turned it off really quickly. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> was it really bad? It sounded, considering, it actually sounded good, but it was actually... Uh, you called it, or I don't know if we called it or you called it. It was called Two Decades from Home. Uh, was how you yeah, that's right. That's right. We we're going to call it Two Decades from Home because um, it was two decades. But it sounded okay. Like, but it was, it was, it was really weird. I mean, that's that's, that's nearly it's nearly two years ago. That's not really nearly two years. It's well over a year ago, and a lot has changed uh, in that time. And it so yeah, it was it was weird. Do you think we'd have better things to do with our time, right? <laughs> Well, Freedom Day is upon us soon. We'll see what happens after that. <laughs> Fuck off with that shit. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, I mean, we started it because it was something we could do. When lockdowns first took place, I think we were both struggling a little bit for yeah. Yeah. a release. It was also, I mean, yeah, we've been good friends for for many years now. And although we didn't really talk about it directly, it's also been one, it's been the best way for us to maintain contact throughout this whole period if we didn't do this there's a very good chance that we would have not drifted apart but we wouldn't have anywhere near the level of contact we have i'll, I'll be honest with you 
that was my main motivation for doing the podcast oh, was that you'd reached well you did you reached out you reached you were like the real engine behind it and you were like let's let's do a podcast i think it's going to be about this and then i think we're, we're, we're talking to each other speaking to each other like several times each week and i was just like oh i really like this i really like hanging out with you and since i'd moved mm. it was really hard to spend time with you we get snapshots we get maybe a few hours here a few hours there because i was still traveling to and from augsburg to nuremberg and yeah i mean that was one of the central reasons for doing it was it wasn't because i wanted to make a podcast it's because i want to hang out <laughs> with my friend so if you want to know why simon did the podcast it's because he's planning to take over the world of of, of media recording but for me it was because because I wanted to see my friend. <laughs> so it's both white skinheads were the origin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, I mean, you've you, you've you've not bicked it recently, so it's you've got a little bit of hair on top. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and I guess also it's. I mean, we we have some of our friends that listen to the show as well and say nice things about it, and how for them it feels like they're in touch with us as well, and that, that's definitely mm-hmm. a motivating factor that's, that's kept kept it going because yeah when you start a podcast there are tens of thousands of them and the majority started around the time we did uh, because yeah people had mm-hmm. that opportunity you're stuck at home what else are you going to do so yeah, there's a lot of competition I'll, I'll say this there was there's a tweet that i think you haven't actually liked it i should probably like it and and say wonderful things about it i mean there's the likes of al who's always complimentary yeah. of the podcast and uh is it sex and Zwanzig Sousa or is it 26 Sousa? I, I don't know but but again very complimentary but there was a lovely message from one of the one of our followers last week yeah from tina yeah. <laughs> just and i was like I honestly felt like it takes like, a few days to edit the podcast. And some weeks I'm just like, I just don't have the motivation. And you see stuff like that and you're like, oh, no, like, I feel like it might only be like a couple of people mm. who say like nice things. Um, and obviously Simon included, <laughs> you know, who asked the question. Um, and we've had various emails from, from different people. And, and yeah, I mean, I find that is motivation enough. Just like people enjoy listening to it. And I think that's a good reason to do it, that we've built a little audience and we're building like little communities and that's always a that's always a, a good yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I mean, you've you mentioned some some of the sort of very key accounts that have been really nice about us. I said to, to mention a couple of other names, like Mandy uh, has, has been plugging us to other people on Twitter and saying nice things about us. That's really, really kind. Uh, Jennifer Regal as well has... Oh, yeah, yeah. Jennifer's top-notch. A, a really yeah. good supporter. And yeah, there are definitely other names that I, I that I can't think of right now, but we really appreciate every bit of feedback, especially the positive stuff. <laughs> that's, that's really lovely. Um, it means the world to us, and it is fuel uh, for us to keep this going. Oh, it really is. It really keeps you motivated and keeps you like wanting to do it because you know people are listening and people are interested. Yeah, um, I know I bang on, but I'm not again. I'm not sure how many people hear it at the end, but like remember just to like speak to us about to, to your friends about the podcast or like yeah. just tweeting stuff out about the podcast and it'd be you'd be amazed at the amount of influence a few listeners can have i mean that we've talked about having getting like star ratings on various apps and stuff and you can see it in the data and the analytics like when a couple of people rate the podcast on spotify you get more listeners and more people are 
uh, getting involved and hearing about it and it's really nice because it's people are doing it not because they're getting something out of it it's because they like doing it they like yeah. doing it because they like the podcast and that's that's like a special kind of cool if you ask me i think that answers the question <laughs> i think it does so thanks for that simon we appreciate the question and the final question I picked out uh, is from the Twitter handle at Really Who Cares, and they asked, "Do Bavarians consider Austria a Bavarian outpost?" Uh, you should ask the Austrians whether they think Bavaria is an Austrian outpost. I That's think. a very That's valid point. point. <laughs> I mean, there was there was a there was a joke going along about having a great a greater Bavaria or something that would include parts of Switzerland, Sudtirol, and and Austria into this like separate nation because this more. We have more in common, apparently. I take the piss out of Austria. Like, I can't help it because there's a lot of things to take the piss out of Austria for. But I don't, I mean, it's a very separate yeah. place. I feel like going there, it's a very different place, right? Architecturally, there are quite strong similarities to parts of, um, parts of Bavaria. And it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. feel, if you're looking out the window of your car, like you've made a huge change. Um, but once you get out of your car and talk to people and, and smell the air, uh, there are definitely... Big differences. It doesn't feel like Bavaria to me. We have some listeners in Austria, and it's a nice opportunity to say thanks for listening. Uh, if you are doing it from Austria, even though we focus pretty much exclusively on Germany uh, and talk a lot about Britain. And we did float the idea of talking about the football last week because, of course, Bayern played Salzburg, and then Salzburg got absolutely demolished. So it felt like it would just be kicking someone whilst they're down if we talked about it. Uh, so consolation, uh, oh, no. we're talking about you now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's already dead. <laughs> yeah, because, mm. because I think it's because of the imperial history of Austria, and Austria's obviously got like linguistic connection, historical connection. The influence of Austria over certainly the south of Germany is uh, historically really important. Like I went to places in in Sudtirol that uh-huh. where the Sisi, I believe, who was the the wife of was it Franz Ferdinand's wife or Franz Ferdinand the first? I forget. Anyway, um, Sisi was was the Empress of of Austria, and there was like a like a place that they would go to to sort of as a holiday destination, and it was interesting going there because you were like, this is really Viennese mm-hmm. and also a little bit Italian, also a bit German. And then you go to like Salzburg and you've got the same kind of vibe, the same kind of architecture. It's quite similar to things I've seen in Ed Bavaria, but more ornate, I think, than anything else. It feels like this is Salzburg was like of imperial importance because it just feels very decorative, a lot of the the architecture and things like that. And then you go to Vienna and I mean Vienna's Vienna's like one of the most amazing European capitals. It's uh, I mean, I really love that city. It's the history's just ev- dripping off of everything. The architecture's amazing. The streets look amazing. I just like get a good vibe when I'm when I'm in Vienna. But there's always little differences, and whether that's just accent or whether that's approach, mm. commu- ways, styles of communication. I think the last time last time I was in Vienna, it's a while ago. Like, but we went for a <laughs> we went for a it was like a wedding announcement party from these people who know they're quite well healed you see and they were having it in this beer garden but it wasn't a beer garden it was a wine garden because they have like this like wine that's quite young and you mix it with water 
and that's quite a i forget the the sort of the how what's called but i'm sure someone will tell us and no one told me how to mix it with water so i was just drinking this like <laughs> wine and i got so hammered so quickly and, and my wife was like why are you so pissed so i've just been drinking this wine it's really strong she's like you, you haven't mixed it with water right i was like no <laughs> it's totally that's totally mortal that was wicked um so there's like little things like that where you wouldn't you certainly wouldn't get a place that like that which was so maybe in um um sort of the wine regions of of germany but for me vienna always had sort of sort of a philosophical mysticism to it because the vienna circle was always talked about in my my first couple of years of philosophy at uni as sort of being this this hub of of, of thought and philosophy and mathematics mm-hmm. that genuinely changed the direction of those subjects in Europe. And so it always kind of felt like one of the smartest places in Europe. It's always been really interesting to me. I I fell deeply in love with Wittgenstein when I was reading philosophy at uni. And yeah, the sort of the connection to to the Vienna Circle was always really key. But I say it maintained some sort of mysticism uh, to me. Um, So yeah, it's it's definitely a place I wish I'd been to more and yeah, probably should go to Mm -hmm. soon. (laughs) When I first moved here, I remember the first time I saw Prague on a a road sign Mm. and I felt like, oh my God, I'm like really in Europe. And then like when I realized to get to Vienna is what, six hours from where we are? Like that's nothing, that drive is nothing. And and you're like, when I studied, so, I mean, I've talked about my background, but like when I was reading history books, living in a shitty little house and estate in the middle of fucking Scotland, right? I remember reading a, a thing that was talking about being on the walls of Istanbul and thinking about like the history that mm-hmm. uh, that connects to 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 that that city and and its its meaning, and, and I've carried that with us, and 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 you, you sort of that image of. Uh, so exotic and like Vienna, like like you said, I read about Vienna because I'd read about 19th century politics or I'd read about, well, you name any philosopher who is, they've gone through Vienna at some point. Um, yeah. People like Freud, things like that, you know, like all of that stuff was, was, and it was just, it was magical. I think there was like, like this is like some sort of crazy destination. Same with Prague, same with Vienna, mm. same with 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 Florence, Munich, you know these places. And then I was living right yeah. next to them. And it, and it, I think every time yeah, I yeah. go, it feels I feel like when I first moved here, and it feels like ah, oh, like I'm really interconnected with all these different places. And although Austria is a different country, it, it just resonates all the things I like about living in Central Europe. It's really interesting that that never fades either. I've been living here for a decade, and every time when I walked down into into the the marketplace in, in Nuremberg, every time I'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I live here. This is so European. It's insane." Yeah. Uh, and it never got old. Uh, it never does. Every now and again, I'm like, "Okay, I'm not in, the, in as excitable mood mm. for it," but the buildings always get me. Um, the architecture and the feel and just the smells is, is special. But even here, and I know this is kind of off topic, even here I live in like the heart of suburbia and it's it parts, it's really 
Bavarian looking houses because they're all like mishmash of houses, which already looks kind of different from the housing areas that you have in in the UK, terraced houses and sort of housing estates and yeah. stuff. But there's there's bits of it that like that look like high end versions of where I used to live in Newcastle that look really t- clean and tidy and well maintained. And then you've got really Bavarian looking wood fronted houses, and then and then you you move further into the the, the, the sort of in Augsburg and Augsburg it's, it's it's the same feeling I get in Augsburg as you have, have so eloquently put about seeing the the roofs and the uh, Nuremberg you just get this feeling of like like how the fuck did I end up here I always I feel like yeah, yeah. I feel like I've won the lottery a lot of the time I'm just like I don't <laughs> yeah I just feel like I'm I've cheated something I've managed to get to here like and and no one's noticed <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> when I left the UK, pretty much all my friends after university had moved to London. And of course, London is one of the coolest cities to live in and to work in in the world. It's an amazing place mm. to live. I don't. None of them were very public about it. And none of them said to me directly at the start. But I think I realized that they were all like, why has Simon moved to Germany? Like, why Germany? Because, of course, a lot of British people, they have this image of Germany in this sort of concrete monoliths that you see in like berlin or northern cities and every single one of my friends who came to visit me here and spent like a week here at the end they were just like i totally get Mm. it now i i know why you haven't come back Mm. this is a special part of the world a special part of europe a special part of germany and yeah winning the lottery is definitely a comparison that I can make. Like, I definitely don't feel like I've lost anything no, no, by living all, here. <laughs> okay, so we've already had a, a little mention of Bayern against Salzburg in the football, but there is more football news. Yay! You lucky, lucky things, you. Yay! <laughs> Both kind of connected to the situation going on in, uh, in Ukraine mm-hmm. and Russia. Um, People that have listened for a long time will have heard me talk about Schalke 04 being my club uh, in the Bundesliga. And of course, Schalke were very quickly one of the focuses of how the conflict was affecting football because emblazoned in massive bloody font on the front of the Schalke shirt was the logo of Gazprom. And of course, anyone in the know will know that Gazprom a very much persona non grata <laughs> these days because it is a massive, massive Russian um, energy company. It's very much got its hand on the throat uh, of energy supply in Europe. And it's been a company that's been used to sports wash the image of, of Russia mm-hmm. in Germany. And Schalke very, very quickly reacted to the pressure that was put on them and have now removed the logo of their main sponsor, Gazprom, and it has been replaced just with, for now, uh, Schalke 04. And there are also some companies out there, if you are the owner of a Schalke shirt, you can send them your shirt, you just pay shipping, and they'll print over a new logo uh, onto the shirts to replace the Gazprom one. So, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, So, yeah, well done to Schalke for kicking the logo off the shirt and of course we've seen that Russia have also been kicked out of international football competition by UEFA and by FIFA as well I mean there's 
this part of me is like, oh yeah, I mean, it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do. It's just like, how have you managed to, why have you had it on the shift since 2006? Like, was 2014 not enough of a warning to think, oh, like maybe we should probably think about the, why we've got this, 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 this gas company's logo on our shirts. And I know Schalke's not a wealthy football team anymore, but it did, it did seem like, well, I mean, it's unfair to Schalke to single them out because, I mean, football in general is a cesspit of, of dodgy money and, <laughs> and, sh- and shitty business operations. But, and, and I think as well, th- you could level the same accusation at the German government and Angela Merkel's government for the last 15 years and be like, what, were the, what the fuck were you thinking? Did you really think this would work? It's all hindsight 2020, of course. Yeah. But it, it's definitely the right decision to make i mean it's it's good that they they were using the a freedom from for ukraine logo in protests initially um and i think that's that's good but I, yeah i just it just it's another example of how how wrong we all were i guess about about what was the right approach well i mean of course the gas from logo is is a key part of schalke but you had to just watch any european football um, in cup competition, the Champions League or the Europa Cup or the Europa Conference, and Gazprom's logo was there. They were one of the main sponsors of the Champions League, um, so they weren't just using Schalke uh, in this way. They were one of the major sponsors of World yeah, Football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, um, it wasn't just Schalke. Yeah, but of course, yeah, Schalke <laughs> definitely were one of the sort of the most identifiable clubs. Uh, so yeah, it's, obviously this is. A challenging thing for a club to do to remove a sponsor from their shirt, uh, just in terms of contract law, um, they are in violation of an agreement somewhere along the lines. I'm not sure what the process is, but Schalke have made the decision incredibly quickly as well that it was in their interest to to take those losses um, for the sake of the club's identity, the club's heritage, and, and image going forward. So yeah. Very, very happy to see that change and hopefully Schalke can land a new sponsor that's going to be better for the long-term history of the club and not drag the name of a, a, a real giant of German football through through the mud again. Well, I mean, you say it's difficult getting rid of a sponsor, but if we look at England and we look at Chelsea specifically, they're not getting rid of a sponsor, they're getting rid of an owner in, in Roman Abramovich who's been sanctioned by the British government and the American, I think, by every government at this point, who is, I, it's so, that I mean, if we're talking about Gazprom being a sponsor of, of Schalke's a murky deal, oh my God, that's the murkiest of the murky deals. Um, we've got to be very careful because, uh, uh, well, the oligarchs are quite litigious, so we've got to be careful. <laughs> but there's definitely been, there's been a lot of accusations flying around that one of the reasons that, Abramovich took over Chelsea was as a way of like soft power and influencing mm-hmm. uh, British society uh, positively for the Russian cause. And um, I mean, it's worked to a certain extent. They were, chant- they were chanting his name a couple of weeks ago during a, yeah. was it a minute silence for the Ukraine, the Chelsea fans? Yes, it was. It was. Stay classy, Chelsea fans. It is worth mentioning as well, though, that their shirt sponsor, Chelsea, is three uh, who's a mobile provider, and, and they have requested to be removed from Chelsea shirts. So we've seen the opposite 
uh, situation happened. The sponsor has decided the club is too toxic to sponsor. So there has we've seen splits in two different directions when it comes to shirt sponsors. Well, the, the, there's there's a lot of um, sort of machinations in the background because the government stepped in. I mean, uh, breaking news: the EU is is just applied. Um, I think sanctions uh, on Roman Abramovich as well. Actually, the European Union says it's imposed sanctions on Chelsea, uh, Chelsea's owner Roman Abramovich, and new measures targeting Russia. But it's not entirely clear how they will impact Chelsea in the Champions League. But there's a lot of embargoes. They're seeking to sell the club. It's 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 a real mess. Uh, I think the the deadline for offers is Friday. Um, and really? It does seem there are at least three groups who have made offers so far um so it does seem like the sale is going to happen pretty rapidly mm. but yeah, i mean at this point is uh, what are the odds on uh Abramovich ending up in brazil next week uh, because everywhere else is going to be sanctioning him um yeah i mean it's but this is it isn't it i mean there's accusations that he was that he was that he was basically building contact with an influence in the british government i think that's still to be unpacked because there's a lot of very unnerving information coming up uh, coming out about uh, the connection between owner of the Evening Standard, Lebedev, uh, yeah, Lebedev, yeah, I think it's Lebedev, and and his connection with Boris Johnson, and and it's very murky. The Tory party's had a lot of donations, but but um, what I would say is um, what I direct you to if you want and to read something that's really interesting. Sadly, it, it also. Uh, connects to to my team was um, Jacob Steinberg in the Guardian wrote a fantastic article about uh, the game on Sunday between Chelsea and Newcastle United where you had uh, Chelsea fans airing their support for Raman Abramovich and to my fucking eternal shame um, Newcastle United fans unveiled a, a Saudi Arabian flag of all the fucking things you could fucking unveil after um, Saudi Arabia had executed 81 people on Saturday, which I'm sure they didn't fucking know about because the, the, I just feel like that's, there's a total blind ignorance to it. Yeah, And like, like this is, I, know, uh, this is, I don't have any other space to rant about it, so I'll just quickly rant here. What the fuck are you doing, Newcastle, man? What the fuck are you doing? Like, Why the fuck would you unveil a flag for Saudi Arabia? It's the most dense thing. Like, Do you think Saudi Arabia gives a flying fuck about Newcastle United and the, the fucking issues that fucking Geordies have? Of course they fucking don't, just because they own the fucking club. That's all it takes for you to fucking kowtow to like a murderous regime. You bunch of fucking idiots. Sorry. That's I mean, we, we have a winner for the most swears in 20 seconds oh, ever just, in the history infuri- of the show, though. It infuriates but, me. F- football yeah. fans are fucking stupid in general, like, and I include myself in, in, in amongst that. But like, that is a level of stupidity that I think is just unconscionable. It is this brazen and it's, it's, it's really disgusting. This I murderous mean, state it- gives us money for transfers. Oh, it's not so good. I mean, the fact remains that clubs like Chelsea, like Manchester City, and now Newcastle, that the ugliest truth of all of these clubs is that deep down the fans just don't give a shit as long as there's success. Like if you win enough trophies, it doesn't matter where the money comes from. Like obviously I, I'm speaking as a Spurs fan and we're owned by Joe Jordan and Enoch and these are not Who lives in a tax haven. Yeah, these are not moral <laughs> champions at all. But there is a part of yeah, me that knows yeah. that at least they're not beheading people or 
invading nations like it's, it's it's a weird feeling to to be happy that our owner is less of a, a piece of shit than other owners but yeah it, a, a lot of fans a lot of english football fans just don't care because as long as you win as long as there's three points on the weekend that's the good vibes sorted and it is it's very very hard to understand i just think it's 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 really pathetic that's what i think it's like mm. that you that that's that's how that's how cheap your morals are that you like i support newcastle but i'm not buying the kit i'm not going to the ground and you might argue well that's because i live in germany and that's probably <laughs> true um i do want to see newcastle play but i certainly i'm not going to sit in a stadium with people like celebrating saudi arabia it's it's as bad as as the the Chelsea fans chanting Roman Abramovich's name now that all of this has come out. It just it's it's ignorance and it's partisanship for the sake of partisanship. It isn't actually just don't you don't need to do it, so don't do it. Like cheer your team, fine, sing songs about Newcastle, but like it just seems unnecessary. But I mean, it's not even ignorance either because people know, like. Any Chelsea fan who's doing a Vox Pop, they're like, oh, is this hitting the fans? Like, what have we done? Like, you knew your owner was a Russian billionaire who couldn't necessarily show where all this money had been earned. You can't pretend that you're all innocent in this. Like, I don't want to say to Chelsea fans, like, you're bad people for supporting Chelsea. But you don't get to turn around and be like, oh, this is so unfair because... Yeah, it's it's in terms of like you're the club that's got hit by this. It is a little unfair, but at the same time, this was quite predictable that one day Abramovich was either going to ditch the club and run with all his money, or get caught up in something as horrific as this. And at some point, Saudi Arabia will do something that's going to make Newcastle fans have to. Oh yeah, I think reality so. check. Yeah. This this, yeah. this won't go on for fifty years. I mean, English football has been a difficult thing morally to support for a long time now. And of course, the Bundesliga shows us that there is an alternative to the brazen capitalism and anti-moral approach that's been adopted in in, in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, another reason to be thankful that we get to watch Bundesliga on the weekends as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Service Damon and Heron, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. As we mentioned last week, we posted some of some links to various charities and donation sites for those fighting in Ukraine and those people who are fleeing Ukraine, refugees and various humanitarian causes in the show notes, and we will continue to do that for however long we have to so please if you have a moment to take a look at those and if you have uh, some money to spare please do consider donating to one or other of those charities or those donation sites if you're enjoying the podcast uh, you can give us a rating on itunes you can give us a rating on spotify and i think you can also give us a rating on google podcasts please do that if you can it really does help us it helps us grow we've seen a lot of benefit from getting star ratings on spotify we've got more li- more listeners coming in and yeah it's a good way to support the show and it doesn't cost you anything it just takes you a couple of 
couple of seconds of effort so please consider doing that if you can as ever uh, send us feedback or one of your questions or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover by tweeting Simon at Deckers from Home or you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!